You know, I think so many companies trying the four day work week, piloting different things to see sort of what will be that lever. And I think that's really cool. Like that's the stuff that excites me, exciting to see, I think companies taking risks and how we can learn from each other. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull. And on this show, we interview today's industry leaders in talent acquisition to discuss challenges, best practices, and what the future holds. If you are working in talent acquisition and have always wanted to sit down with your peers at other companies to exchange ideas and learn, well, this show is the next best thing. Join us each week as we bring you a new expert interview and extract their expertise. This episode is brought to you by SageMark HR. Transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology. Selecting the right recruiting solutions to enable your strategy is one of the biggest challenges leaders face today. You know technology will help, but searching all the options to find out what will work best for your specific needs can be both overwhelming and time consuming. At SageMark HR, we make selecting the right recruiting technology easy. Our proven process has helped companies such as 3M, Comcast, Stryker, Walgreens, and many more. Reach out to us at SageMark HR for a free consultation to learn how we can help you improve results with less stress and confidently change from reacting to leading. Hello, and welcome to another episode of TA Leaders Podcast. I'm Ryan Dull, and today I have a conversation with Julie Teague. Julie is the Senior Director of Talent Acquisition for North America at Danone. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Uh, excited to chat with you. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be here. Awesome. Well, as we always do, let's start out and um, talk a little bit, if you wouldn't mind sharing about your background, how you got started in recruiting, some of the positions you've held leading up to your current role. So probably like a lot of people, I feel like in ways I sort of fell into recruiting, but it's certainly become a great home and, and sort of an amazing career ride and journey that I feel like I've had. But started out, you know, I think for me, when I graduated college, I definitely knew that I wanted to be in a role where I was helping people a strong people connection and aspect. And that's really sort of how I landed in recruiting. As soon as I graduated college, started in the campus recruiting space for a large education nonprofit. Did that for a couple of years and kind of got my feet wet in sort of the recruiting process and really had a great experience. And for me, it was also the opportunity to recruit for, you know, a really purpose and mission-driven company. And that's really been something that I've tried to sort of weave into most all of the roles I've had throughout my career. In terms of that aspect of, I really find it an honor to help people on their career journey and help them to find you know, opportunities that really are a fit for them. So transition from campus recruiting world into sort of a full life cycle recruiting position in healthcare, did that for about five years was sort of promoted a couple times up the ranks um, and moved into sort of a more senior recruiting partner positions and then moved into sort of more management roles. I then sort of moved to a, a marketing startup as sort of their head of recruiting, which was sort of my first opportunity to kind of move from day-to-day full lifecycle recruiting to really managing a large national team. So did that for about a year and, and gained some really great people, leadership skills and sort of how to manage a team of recruiters. I then transitioned to Spotify, where I was uh, one of the heads of recruiting for one of their large business units in the, the content, sort of media, entertainment side, but also did some tech recruiting there as well. Led a pretty large global team across a lot of different time zones, uh, which was a really fun experience. It also worked for... It was the first non-US company I worked for. So 
also getting a feel for a, a global company and global space. And then that really led me to two years ago when I transitioned to Danone as the senior director and head of TA for the North American region. And it's been an amazing journey the past two years, kind of doing more of the same of building out a team and, and really building a high-performing uh, talent acquisition function. Great. Thanks for sharing that exciting background, lots of diversity in the background that helped shape your career. I'm sure the time at Spotify was exciting on, on a global side. And then, then as you moved in here, do you mind sharing a little bit more about Danone as an organization, some of the brands, maybe a little ra- around the scope, so the size of your team, number of hires, like uh, those kinds of things? So we're a lean but mighty team. Uh, I, as I said, I oversee the, the North America region. So that's obviously US and Canada. But Danone itself is an incredibly large brand. Been around for decades. Globally, we're, we're well over 90,000 employees. So it's a very large company. Um, the, the company overall is headquartered in Paris. And we have such an amazing portfolio of brands. I'd say in the US, most folks know us for Dan and Yogurt, our yogurt products, premium dairy products. But we also have Happy Food Organics, which is sort of our kids' sort of baby food line that's also very successful. We have plant-based products within our infrastructure as well. We also have So Delicious, which is sort of our dairy-free options, along with International Delight. So our creamer business is also a large driver of a lot of our growth and revenue. And then also here in the US, Evian Water is another one of our large brands as well. So Definitely an amazing portfolio of really diversified brands, both on the dairy side, water, beverages, premium dairy, and also plant-based is a big area of growth for us in terms of market share. So really exciting time. I'm actually coming off of a huge Mission 4 strategy day yesterday where I was on-site at the office. A lot of great share-outs in terms of our growth and revenue and just tremendous market share growth over the last two years, which is really exciting. My team specifically, you know, again, I, I started with a small and mighty team. Uh, we're a team of about 10 focused solely on the full life cycle recruiting piece. So I have several recruiting managers who oversee sort of smaller teams of recruiters, you know, but usually on an annual basis, we're filling anywhere from seven to 800 roles really all across the business. So this incorporates, I think, what makes us unique too is large amount of corporate recruiting, but also our frontline manufacturing and plant workers. So a lot of constant flow, as you can imagine, during COVID, especially with all the supply chain challenges, that kept us very busy in terms of recruiting uh, on the manufacturing side as well. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit just about two years ago when you joined the organization, kind of what it looked like and maybe some of the initiatives that you've led over the, the last couple of years to bring you to the current state. Yeah, I think great question. And it's hard to believe I'm coming up on two years already. You know, but when I joined, I think I was really kind of brought in initially to Danone to help really drive, I think, a lot of process and technology improvement. When I joined the team, I would say in general, process was a big area of focus. We have a really dynamic team who are super dedicated, so passionate about the work and our company and bringing in great talent. But we didn't really invest, I'd say, over the last decade in a lot of technology. So that sort of held us back in terms of data reporting, some of our diversity initiatives. So that was really the first thing I did. I'd say um, in 2020, when I joined, the first six months or so was really doing an audit and assessment of all of our process touch points, all of the places where we touch a candidate to really improve our candidate experience. And I really did that through establishing five different project groups across my team. 
that every member of my team joined and was a part of to really help us kind of have this insular kind of think tank across our own team to really help solve some of these problems. So those groupings were around our sourcing function. How do we sort of build out more strategic diversity sourcing strategies? Another was around data and reporting. Like a lot of TA heads who kind of complain about their ATS, we've got some challenges there. How do we sort of take what we have, but sort of still be able to make some short-term changes and, and get the data that we need? We also talked about hiring manager support and just sort of our relationship and, and collaboration right, with hiring managers. How can we create more toolkits, more resources, more interviewing guides, evaluation tools, so that they can really be them, you know, their best selves in an interview process as well? So that's really what I've been tackling, I'd say, for the last two years. And really proud to say that we have really been able to drive some pretty significant gains um, in most all of those areas. That's great. Thanks for sharing all of that. So where does that take you from here? Like as you think about this year and then moving into next year and you're just coming off um, some strategic planning. So this question is timely. What's next? And, and where do you see what kind of key initiatives and where do you see the organization going from here? Yeah, I mean, great question. I think for like a lot of companies, especially in the talent recruiting space, it's an incredibly wild market, right? We've navigated a lot in the last two years. I think in 2020, everybody's shifting to remote interviews, virtual interviews. How do we stop all of this candidate travel that we're doing and really restructure that? Last year, I think still kind of stuck in that. This year, we're sort of in a different, more unique challenges that I think we're working to address, right? Of more flexible hybrid work. How do we communicate that with candidates? How to create successful models, but also are able to attract top talent? I think another one is still, I, I look at the past two years of really building the foundational pieces. I look at this year as now where do we start to really up-level and elevate as a function? You know, I think for us, we are pretty close and, and hoping to look at some new technology enhancements and pull the trigger, so to speak, on implementing a few of those, which I think is going to add tremendous value for us. You know, we haven't really scratched the surface on some of the pieces like AI and different technologies that we're using. So for me, I really wanted to spend the first, I think, year into kind of building the foundation so we could sort of walk before we run. But I think now I'm really excited on our roadmap for this year to see some of those strategies come to life. And some of those implementations from a technology perspective, new platforms we'll be bringing on and then training up our managers on those changes. That's a pretty common experience. I mean, I, I live in that world every day with all sorts of different clients and uh, you know, the importance and how critical your tech stack is and the technology to your overall experience and your ability to deliver. You can't survive without it right now. And so that's a pretty sure. common initiative. Exciting to hear the value you can unlock with the right tech stack is absolutely enormous. And so yeah. I'm excited for you on that journey, um, definitely. Any interesting things that you see for the future, I guess, of, of recruiting, whether it be at Danone or outside of that, what interests you about the future of recruiting? What are some thoughts that you have about the function going forward? Well, again, I think it's such an exciting time. I mean, I think the past two years, I've often said that, you know, COVID obviously brought so many challenges. But I often say as the glass half full person that I am, that it also brought like an amazing opportunity for HR to shine. There aren't so many times where HR and recruiting have the opportunity to really be at the forefront like they do now. And so I think it's changed the conversation in a lot of ways. I think for me, I'm really excited to see how this continuation of, I think, sort of future of work, hybrid work evolved. I think we see some companies taking the step, in my opinion, backwards <laughs> to 
you got to be in office. I think very rigid while I think there's a lot of other companies that are on the opposite spectrum of work from anywhere. So I think that's going to be an ongoing thing, at least for the next one to two years that companies are sort of grappling with in terms of their employee base. So I think that's really interesting because I think we're seeing in the candidate market, there's more and more desire for flexibility than ever before, right? Whether that's working parents, you know, whether that's single people who are choosing to leave urban spaces, like I think all of those things are really going to continue the conversation of how do we recruit and attract great top talent and how do we continue to keep them engaged? You know, I think that's the other big piece that I think about, not just from a talent attraction perspective, but right, this retention engagement piece. I think culture has really changed. I remember back in my Spotify days, right? We were dying to come into the office because there were free meals, free food, free lunch, free concerts, all kind of perks, right? And I think with COVID, so much of that has shifted, right? So how do you still build community and culture, right? When people are remote, when people are less energized to come in? Because those are really important for talent leaders, right? Because that tremendously impacts retention and sort of the attrition and the high turnover we're seeing. So I think those are going to be, for me, definitely things that I'm learning about, you know, participating in forums, hear how other companies are tackling these things, because I don't think they're going away. You know, I think as much as we'd like to hit a reset button and go back to pre-COVID life on some things, I don't think we will, right? There's been too many changes. So I think for talent heads and I think for HR teams, these are going to be big areas that we have to continue to, I think, try new things, right? Not be afraid to fail. You know, I think so many companies trying the four-day work week, piloting different things to see sort of what will be that lever. And I think that's really cool. Like that's the stuff that excites me. Exciting to see, I think, companies taking risks and how we can learn from each other. Because I think, you know, we're, we're all sort of in this weird, unprecedented time together, really trying to tackle, right? Some of these things as, as it pertains to attracting and I think keeping great talent. Yeah, those are great points. I agree with so many of them. I, I say it all the time. Like this is the greatest opportunity talent professionals have ever had. Like this market um, is creating some of the most you know unprecedented challenges that we've ever seen. And challenges becomes opportunity. And the opportunity is enormous for talent leaders to add levels of business value that we've never been able to deliver before and to be really at the forefront of the business strategy and uh, all the market challenges. I'm seeing more people in the TA space presenting to board of directors and, you know, those types of things than I've ever seen in the past. And so it's so exciting to be part of a talent profession right now. And the value that we can deliver for businesses is tremendous. I think the changes you talk about in, in the market and with candidates and really flexible workplace and how they like to engage now um, with with opportunities and things. You can't be successful doing what's been done for the last 20 years. You have to evolve. And it's really now turning about like, how do we best think strategically about our talent practices and meet these candidates where they're at and engage them how they want to be engaged. And we can't any longer sit there and say, oh, we're just going to jam them through our clunky, cumbersome, right. <laughs> annoying processes. It just doesn't work. So totally, um, totally. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's exciting and very cool. Just to add on that too quickly, Ryan, is that, you know, as a part of my function, I also oversee our employer branding strategy and efforts. And that was actually one of the things that I had the pleasure of presenting on yesterday to sort of our, our overall North American town hall. So great energy around this. And I think more than ever, right? 
even internal employees are asking these questions, right? Of who are we as a brand, right? What are sort of those points of pride, right? In terms of our benefits, our wellness, the way that we take care of our employees, right? It's easy to say that we're a people-centric company, but how do we actually demonstrate that? What's the story there? So that's a cool piece of this too. I think a lot of companies too are sort of having to really identify their identity, right? Like who do we want to be? And then I think constructing a really honest, right? Story and employer brand around that. I spend a lot of time and, you know, going to meetings and talking about all those themes internally and externally, because I think there's, there's more than ever candidates are very in tune to honesty, right? So sort of the glass door piece of like, no, but tell us who you really are. What really is your brand? What is it actually really like to work there? Right? Not all the fluff. They want to hear, I think those actual stories. And so I think that's a cool piece um, of my role too. And I, as that evolves during this unique moment in time is that there's so much opportunity to help tell that story in a way that I think, you know, uses the data to understand what resonates with people and kind of bring those synergies. I think that's great. And I couldn't agree with you more. Honest and transparency are really key. And I think too many people fall into the trap of being aspirational with all of their employment brand. And it people yes. get it and like, hey, wait a minute. Like, well, what's yes. this? <laughs> right. Um, so I think honesty and transparency are absolutely critical. And don't be afraid to even say like, what's great and what sucks about your organization. Like, yeah. like that's okay. Totally. People want that and say, hey, this, we're not really great at this and we're working on it and need your help. That's okay. And I think that will, like, my feeling is that will become more and more prevalent and people will be more comfortable being transparent with that and it will resonate and engage people uh, better. So, so I think that's totally. Great. Well, I think also with COVID, we've, we've had to like fail, right? Yeah. Like it's forced all of us to be like, we don't know. We don't know what we're doing, right? Like you yeah. think back to April, May, 2020, I was thinking about right. this yesterday, right? Like even as little as, oh gosh, we're moving from all on-site interviews to all virtual. Do we have the technology? Remember back of it, like we were all yeah. downloading Zoom, trying to even figure out how we Everybody could get- Everybody was scrambling, yeah. <laughs> right, so I think it, it's it's reinvigorated. I think this safe space of, it's okay to fail. It's okay to experiment. And that gets me really excited because I'm super creative at the core, right? And love solving hard problems. And you have to create a safe space in a culture where you can fail, right? And I think during this time, it sort of became the great incubator for that, right? Where, you know, even traditional companies where it was like, we don't fail, right? Like, here's the model, here's what we do. Everybody had to sort of experiment and try things differently. And so I think that's a really cool gateway for the future. Yeah, I agree. And it's been, I mean, one of the greatest benefits of the whole COVID experience, I think, is it's just really been a catalyst for innovation and changing experience and stuff. And too many people, especially yeah. around, around tech, where I live every day is in, in recruiting, it existed, but it was hard for people to get the buy-in because it's kind of like, ah, we've always had these armies of people doing the recruiting right. in this kind of way with these clunky systems. And not perfect, but it's always work. So we're not going to invest in that. We're not going to put yes. ourselves out there in that. And then COVID experience became a catalyst. Like we don't have a choice. Now we have to build our tech stack. We have to rethink our experience. We have to make it efficient on a virtual basis, which has really moved the function forward and the value proposition forward. So, so that's good. Last question I have for you is help me understand a little bit. Like I always kind of ask, individuals to talk a little bit about a piece of advice that resonates with you or that either that you got or that you've figured out through your career and 
What's a great piece of advice you'd like to share with someone else in the profession that you think it would add value? Yeah. So I think, you know, one that really stands out to me is this idea of mentorship. I think for me, you know, I look back on my career and, you know, I think when you've had a certain amount of jobs, you've had good bosses, bad bosses, everybody in between. And I think for me, it was being really able to cultivate some great mentors early on in my career. I think back to my first job or two where I met some just incredibly smart, talented people and really took the time to prioritize getting to know them and nurturing relationships. I think a lot of times if you are ambitious and driven early on in your career, you're so focused on promotion, you know, getting to the next step, right? Like, what is the next step in my career? How do I get there? Climbing the ladder, maybe, so to speak. You know, I have had most of my career in New York City, which is competitive and you sort of have to have that hustler mindset. But I think for me, like the advice I would give is like really step back and be focused on what do you love? Like, what are you passionate about? Like, what are the core skills you're really naturally great at? Lean into those things and then find somebody who can really help push and challenge you in those other areas. You know, I had mentors that really pushed me. I'm a natural extrovert, but you know, I don't love data. But you know, and in my early 20s, that was an area I was like, oh, don't make me like manage the spreadsheets or the budgets, you know? But as I evolved in my career, I surrounded myself with really great people around me who were great at those things, right? Who helped gave me best practices and tools and tips. So I think it's so powerful for two things. I think both just creating a long lasting network, right? Of folks within your industry who are similar that A, can really help, you know, help you along the way, right? Give you the tips and tools, I think, to help be successful. So I think that's super helpful, but also as a skill development. Like you often for me, like I learn great things by witnessing it, exposing myself to it, learning from others and their mistakes, right? And and their best practices. And so I think allowing yourself to be open to that, you know, not thinking that you know it all or just because you've had one experience, but think really being open to other people's diverse perspectives and how it can help you grow. That's great advice. And yeah, we see it all the time, I think, in the space. And and it's okay to admit maybe that you don't know everything, to get some help and to, to work with others because everyone has their superpowers. Everyone has kind of their towering strengths and what they're best at. And even though you're responsible for, say, all of talent acquisition, it's okay if a challenge comes up that you haven't experienced or that you don't know a lot about or you don't have a skill set on your team to ask right. for help or just admit that. And to our point earlier, being transparent and honest, like, I'm not great at this, but there are people out there who are, I'm going to reach out, I'm going to find them, I'm going to educate myself, my team, and we're all going to grow together by getting help totally. from an expert. I think that's great advice. And I think, you know, it's hard to do as a leader and yes. especially when you're, you're put in a place as a leader to yeah. know all this stuff and to solve all these problems. It's, it's a hard thing to do, but it's great advice to, to really stay, make that and think about that. And just as you were saying that, it just sparked one other last thing for me too, is I think it's part of that when you surround yourself with great people and leaders that you respect to help cultivate who you are. I think it's, you know, don't be afraid to be your authentic self. I think there's so much talk about that these days. But I remember even in my 20s, you know, as a female up and coming leader, right? At times being hesitant to give my real opinion, you know, giving hesitant to give my authentic thoughts, right? Or to assert myself in certain conversations. Some of that, some gender, probably microaggressions. But I think over time, like that's something even as a, as a talent leader that I, I never try to oversell someone on an offer. 
because I'm like, look, you have to make the decision that this is a place where you, right, can bring your authentic self and thrive. And not every environment is going to be right for you. Like we all talk about culture fit, but I think a big disconnect for a lot of folks is not knowing yourself, right? And not being comfortable to bring your authentic self. And I think that's how you end up in jobs that are not the right fit, right? Or the environment that's not right for you. So I think again, through mentorship and these other things, it helps cultivate that sense of self. But you know, never be afraid, I think, to bring your authentic self. And if you're in an environment where you feel like you can't, or it's not respected or encouraged or cultivated, it's probably not the right environment. And and the sooner that you can make that decision for yourself, the more successful you'll continue to be um, when you're in the right place. Absolutely great. I appreciate it. And I think the audience appreciates it too. Excellent advice. So so Julie, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for joining me today. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share the episode with your network. Ready to transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology, just like our other clients at 3M, Comcast, Stryker, and Walgreens? Then reach out at sagemarkhr.com for a free consultation.